It ain't the left side or the right side, then it must be the fence side. Good evening, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, the finfanatic.com website, and the fan sided network as well. The Dolphins are 1 0, and they are the only team in the AFC East that is 1 0 today because the Bills lost to the uh, Steelers and really. Not a lot of people were expecting that. Uh, the Jets lost to the Panthers and Sam Darnold's revenge game, and the Dolphins took down the Patriots there in Foxborough. And with three minutes left in the game, Paul, Xavier Howard punches the ball out from Damian Harris. The Dolphins recover, get a first down, end up taking home the win. And as a special treat, you were able to go to the Dolphins Patriots game here today made the hour and a half drive there and hour and a half drive back. Uh, so I've, I would have felt terrible for you if, if, if this was a 19 to 17 Dolphins loss, dude, I, it was sure looking like it was going to be, I mean, and we literally made it just in time. I mean, I know I told our listeners the other day, I coached two games this morning and we actually had one run over our second one ran over a little bit which had me quaking so got to give the kids the victory post game speech hop in the car and haul my little butt up to Foxborough take the kid to his first game ever uh which he, he's going to his second game for the MetLife takeover later this year uh but no it was it was good energy up there and and you can feel a dramatic shift in the Pats fans view of the Dolphins right now as well. Um, there were a lot of fans talking about how they see what Miami's built down there. They see what Miami's still building down there. And they're kind of admitting that there may be a power shift on the way in the AFC East at this point. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with their Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Ready for an out of this world experience, fellas? Look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped that has just taken off not only in the USA, but Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. I couldn't imagine being there because the game itself felt like it was like six hours long. Um, Especially in the second half. I mean, this was not, this was a game that we knew was going to be tough for the Dolphins, and the Patriots felt the exact same way. Um, You know, when when you take a look at what happened here, 
Xavier Howard punches the ball out with three minutes left. A lot of people might argue that this game shouldn't have been that close to begin with. I mean, the Dolphins were up seven to nothing very early. First drive of the game, go right down the field, 80 yards. Tua has a three-yard touchdown run right into the end zone. And the Dolphins have the ball back just the next drive um, at the New England 45. And they just stall for what seemed like two quarters on the offensive side of the ball. Um, So, you know, I, but still, I mean, like at this point of the season, a win is a win and no other team in the AFC East can make that same claim. No. And the bills one, as as you mentioned, was a total shocker for me. I mean, then again, I should have thought about the fact that I don't think Ben Roethlisberger's arm strength is going to hold up uh, for an entire season. I know I've talked about that before, so I'm glad he got that Bills win knocked out of the way here because the Steelers don't scare me down the stretch. They really don't. Uh, and and I know I haven't gotten to look at all the highlights between you know all the coaching and going to the game today, but there were a few surprises around the NFL today. Green Bay getting smacked in the mouth. The Texans with a dominating win, like yeah, you 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 know more than you think. Uh, the Texans absolutely steamroll the Jaguars today. Uh, I mean, and it's it's not like the Jaguars are this juggernaut, but I mean, <laughs> they're actually an NFL team, unlike what you would think looking at the Texans roster. Yeah, see, just when you think Tyrod Taylor is about to fall off the face of the earth, he comes back and lays down a thirty-seven spot. Against well, an NFL team, he's, apparently you, you he's know funny. You, you just don't stab the guy in the lungs, and he can win games for you. <laughs> Apologies to our medical experts out there, uh, but yeah, just uh, if you're a medical expert, our our advice is don't stab people. <laughs> um, moving on. Uh, <laughs> hey, Sam Darnold with the big W today. Yeah, no kidding. I mean. Uh, when you surround him with uh, Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, and he can NFL do some players. incredible things. Yeah, NFL NFL type talent, he can do some pretty decent things. Uh, you know, Zach Wilson uh, played played a little bit more decent down the stretch. You know, he's a rookie, etc. But uh, Jets lost. That's pretty much all you need to know. Uh, so the Dolphins did not lose, and it's I come away with a couple of things in this game. First, I think the Dolphins are extremely tough-minded. Um, when you take a look here, just really at the last, uh, not only the last year, but over the last two years. I mean, back in 2019, they came back, you know, they the second half of the year, they were over 500 in 2019, which nobody thought would happen. They were 10 and six last year, which nobody thought would happen. They go down to New England this year and they're uh, three and a half point underdogs, and they win. Yes, Paul. You said nobody thought it would happen. I just I, I I love every time you say that because I'm pretty sure my exact season prediction last year was ten and six. Yeah, mine was seven and nine. <laughs> typically, uh, typically you, you you predict double digit wins every year though, so uh, that's. That's not really fair. Not every year, I've I've predicted below double digits. God, we've been doing this for a while. I know I've predicted below double digits a few times. Gosh, I hate predictions. Um, 
So uh, let, let's let's look at the game here too, uh, position by position at, at quarterback. To uh, sixteen for twenty-seven, two hundred and two yards, two passing touchdowns, one interception, and a rushing touchdown as well early on. So on the stat sheet, looked like a very good game. He also had some some passes that kind of flailed a little bit. I mean, I there there were two passes that he threw that were complete abomination that I talked about earlier. Um, or, or excuse me, I that that I talked about on Twitter, um, and I got absolutely creamed for him. But people can't take criticism with Tua. Come on, Dolphins fans, toughen up a little bit here, okay? I mean, look, Tua Tua had a good game. He had a he was sixteen for twenty seven, two touchdowns, an interception, but he had two really bad passes. One, he was trying to get the ball out of bounds. He fell back, didn't have the arm strength to get the ball out of bounds, and it was picked off by Jonathan Jones. And then there was another pass that was batted around as well that should have been picked off as well. So, but at the end of the day. Nothing glaring as far as anything that costs the Dolphins the game. So at the quarterback position poll, I'm going to give Tua and the quarterback position a B minus here. And I'm going to say one more thing too. I hate when they take Tua off the field. Stop doing it. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to see Jacoby Brissett on the field except in mop-up duty. Um, it's. I, I did think Tua played okay today. I was right with you on that B minus grade. It looked early like it was going to be more than that, but yeah, he's got to at the end of the, at the end of the day, Tua has to spread the ball around a bit better amongst wide receivers on this team. Uh, I know they weren't all on the field at times, but Miami kept what six, seven wide receivers at this point, and on the stat sheet, Albert Wilson had two targets, I think, with no receptions. And then everything else at the wide receiver position went to Devontae Parker and Jalen Waddell. And Mike Gesicki wasn't even really heavily factored into the, into the passing game today. Right. Uh, Mike Gesicki, no catches. Albert Wilson, no catches today. Um, Four targets. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, Jalen Waddell, four for 61 and a touchdown. Devontae Parker, four for 81. Uh, no touchdowns, but uh, three of those were slants, and uh, Tua did see those passes early. So good for him for for having the football IQ to see those slants. Uh, the, three of them to Devontae Parker, which were very big passes in this game. He also threw kind of a, a Randy Moss type of pass to him a little bit earlier for a 20-plus yard reception too. So those were good there. Uh, at the running back position, you know, Miles Gaskin, first drive, four rushes or five rushes for 27 yards. And then they, it's, it's almost like they completely abandoned the ground game. Um, Savan Ahmed, you know, we've been talking about him a lot. Three carries for four yards throughout the game. Uh, only one missed tackle forced by the Dolphins running backs, too, according to, to Pro Football Focus. So, you know, it, it, it kind of leads into the idea that the Dolphins running backs take what's given to them. 
You know, they're they're good players. Savad Ackman's a, g- a good player. Miles Gaskin's a good player. Malcolm Brown got in the field in, in crunch time and grinded out the clock and had some pretty decent runs. But overall, you know, nothing that sticks out. So I'm going to go a C plus with this with this running back group. I'm going to stick with you on that uh, as well. I thought Savan Ahmed had a couple of good catches in this one. Uh, Miles Gaskin had almost five and a half yards of carry uh, on nine carries. And, and I think they really could have taken this game away by including him a little bit more. Uh, you know, it's, what would you say it was one missed tackle, I think? Yeah, one missed tackle forced by Dolphins running backs here, according to Pro Football Focus, on 17 carries. Right. Which but you, is. But yeah. what, what I want to say about that, though, is you you take Malcolm Brown out of the mix because he doesn't miss tackles. His job is to try to run over people. So take him out of the mix. That's five carries. You've got 12 carries between Gaskin and Ahmed, um, and I'm pretty sure it was Gaskin that had that one um, that one uh, broken tackle. And, and Yeah, he did. It, it's, you know... One broken tackle on 13 carries is not a horrific number, um, especially when Gaskin averaged five and a half yards a carry, or almost five and a half. I mean, it, it, it's yeah. you've got to you've got to utilize your ground game more, and that's only going to help Tua not have to force the ball into tight windows because they have to account for the running game. Yeah, that's absolutely true, and and we know what Gaskin is. He's a good player uh, at this point. I mean, he overall 75 total yards i mean that's good uh it's it's especially against a defense like the patriots um why i'm gonna go to, i'm gonna go to a b minus actually just thinking about the fi- the five receptions as well for gaskin i mean it, it's the fault with the running back room really wasn't on them it was just the game plan to get away from it especially when they were trying to protect the lead yeah it doesn't look pretty on paper um but also, two two of my favorite runs of the game were when the Dolphins were trying to just line up and get a first down after the Xavier Howard recovered, or, or after the Xavier Howard punch out recovered by Landon Roberts. Where Malcolm Brown five yard carry, tough power run inside, as well as a, a four yard run right after that that made it third and one, and then they brought Jacoby Brissett on the field and did a quarterback sneak. I hated it, but it won the game. So that's all I'm going to say right now. <laughs> um, wide receiver, tight end. Um, I'm going to throw it to you on that first ball. This is a weird one to grade. I mean, I know I already talked about the fact that Wilson and Gesicki were barely even targeted in this game. Uh, I didn't feel like they got a tremendous amount of separation at times at the wide receiver position. Uh, I felt like Tua was having to throw into some tight windows. But again, by completely abandoning the run game, it doesn't help. I loved what I saw from Jalen Waddle in his first ever NFL game, which we do have to factor in as well, given the fact that he had the four for 61 and a touchdown, which was a tough touchdown to get. It was a beautiful play Mm -hmm. by him. Um, There were a few jump balls I felt Miami could have done a better job of winning. But again, it's they had limited opportunity, just like our running back room. I mean, Miami has a defense that can hold teams to 16 points, but you really should be averaging more than 17 points with all the weapons that you have on this offense. So I'll go with... I'm going to go with a C for the receiver room, though, because 
I don't feel like enough guys really got involved. And, and whether it's one of your five tight ends, whether it's or four that could address for this game, whether it's um, from your receiver room, I mean, I, I, I felt like the running backs were almost more of a factor than the receivers in the passing game. And I'm not sure if you saw what I did, too, uh, but I saw number 82, Seathan Carter, out there a lot. Like, I'm talking I, – I I look forward to seeing what uh, uh, this snap count is tomorrow yeah. when, they, when PFF uh, uh, puts that out. It looked like he got like 35 to 40 snaps. And when I look at Seathan Carter, I think that's too many for him. Yeah. First, you know, for – a team that has Jakeem Grant and has Jalen Waddle and has Devontae Parker. I understand the the value of having a, a, a tight end that can play more in line, but not not at that capacity, you know, especially when you have Seathan Carter, who's been out of training camp and out of the preseason the entire month of August. Yeah, no, I mean, it's... If you told me leading up to today, if you told me right up to 424 Eastern that Seathan Carter was going to appear to be more involved in the offense than Mike Kosicki today, uh, I would have laughed at you almost as hard as I would have if you told me that the Texans were going to come out and dominate the Jaguars. It, it just I, I would have just looked at you and said, yeah, okay. You know, you're trying a little too hard to outsmart people at that point. There's nothing with Seathan Carter that screams that he should be getting that many snaps at this point in time. Now, if you put him on the field for a couple of plays and he does something mind-blowing, let's ride the hot hand and see where it goes. But yeah. to design it that way and do so when he literally has no mitigating factors that make you go, ooh, okay, he came today. Like it, it's, I don't see anything on the stat sheet right now other than maybe the snap count bit tomorrow. That would lead me to believe that Seathan Carter being on the field was an asset. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, especially when you have like three Seathan Carters on the team. Seathan Carter and Adam Shaheen and, and Durham Smythe. Hunter Long. To, 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 to me, they're pretty much the same player. Not true. You know, the two are better versions of Seathan Carter. Yeah. And something that's been said in our chat a little bit and – said on Twitter uh, with anything I've posted that I want to make clear is, hey, the Dolphins are 1-0. and Be happy. Hey. We are. No, uh, uh, yes, I am happy the Dolphins are 1-0. and But let's get something clear, too. It doesn't mean that the Dolphins are perfect. It doesn't mean that they're, <laughs> you know, we should avoid criticism when it comes to them. I'm very happy the Dolphins are 1-0. They're, they're the only team in the AFC East that is 1-0. So I'm very happy about that. Offensive line, uh, not a not a pretty situation. Uh, Austin Jackson at left tackle did not play. Liam Eikenberg got out there, had two really ugly plays, one a penalty and one he was steamrolled by Josh Uche, which we talked about a little bit before the show. But I got to give a little bit of the benefit of the doubt to uh, Liam Eikenberg. I thought he in terms of getting out of a stance quickly, everything you showed at Notre Dame, I thought he kind of looked the part at left tackle. And I'm not, I mean, I, I think Austin Jackson is going to come back and start, but I didn't hate everything he did. No, I, I thought he did well, especially given that this was his first NFL game and he was not 
projected to start until a few days ago. Um, and even then it was a question mark. So he was playing a little out of position from where he had been all preseason. He was injured for part of the preseason. And other than being treated like a human in a pinball machine uh, on that one play by Uche, uh, I thought he actually did well. And quite frankly, I had less, qu- less question marks watching him play than I've had watching Austin Jackson play all preseason. Very well said. And uh, also on some of those bigger runs the Dolphins had today, there weren't too many, but Robert Hunt does a great job of sealing inside. And I'm I'm looking forward to – he's the one player on the offensive line I'm excited about. Michael Dieter got his first start at center today, and he did okay. I mean, and, and that's really all I can I can ask about about him at the center spot. I mean, if you're telling me he is a middle-of-the-pack center – on a rookie contract, then I think that's good. Um, you know, that's that's better than, you know, sinking a first or second round pick into a center or paying a lot of money to him. Yeah, no, I, I, I think overall Miami's offensive line played decent today. There were a lot of times, and you and I talked about this, where I felt like Tua had a fairly clean pocket to pass from and took a little too long to make a decision and then turn it into a runaround game and had to use his legs. And, you know, were there some plays that the line gave up? Absolutely. Um, Were there some plays where guys were out of position? Absolutely. But, you know, when you've got Jesse Davis, who literally just took over a starting job a few years ago, um, Robert Hunt and Solomon Kinley, both in their second season ever in the NFL, Liam Eikenberg, a rookie, second-round pick, and Michael Dieter, who's been, you know, basically a practice squad detainee at times over the past couple of years, it's encouraging to see a lot of the factors. If you look beyond just what happened in this game, but you look at where these guys are at developmentally for the future, and there's a lot to like now. A weird thing for me was seeing Greg Little be inactive today as far as that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Greg Little was inactive, and Noah Igbenogany was a healthy scratch today. He was also inactive. Well, he's a healthy scratch when he is active. <sighs> so. That's not good. That's not good there. Uh, but also, in fairness, if the Dolphins didn't have so many great cornerbacks, he probably would have been active. Right. Um, He'd be active on a lot of rosters around the NFL. Yeah, yes, he would. And and that still kind of stings, but yeah, absolutely. Um, On the defensive side of the ball, um, Craig Sebring in the the chat brought up that was uh, the roughing the passer call on Landon Roberts was BS. Yes, it was. And Landon Roberts on defense was a monster today. I mean, he was firing into the gaps every opportunity that he got mm-hmm. um and he was picking right yeah i mean that if, if you do or just watch a replay of him just blowing up the running back in the hole getting to mac jones and then he was pushed from behind into mac jones that should not have been called and it was a major major play and then on the next play nelson aguilar caught a what seven yard touchdown to completely swing the momentum of the game at the time. So 
yeah, I mean, Landon Roberts, kudos to him, somebody we've been critical about, but certainly not at this point. Um, also, on on the front seven, Raekwon Davis gets hurt early, but um, I don't think he got back on the field, but it, it, it didn't look like a major injury either. No, and, and I just want to go back to that roughing the passer call because it was bogus. I mean, whether he was pushed or not, he did hit above the knee pad when he made initial contact. And I know that by rule, it's forcibly hitting in the knee area or below a passer uh, who has one or both feet on the ground. But this, even if the initial contact is above the knee, piece of that rule has to go. Like... Because if you slide down on a player or or what have you, it, it, it's you're not putting that forcible contact in play um, on the on these guys that that's causing those injuries that this rule was put in place to mitigate. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, Manuel Agba had a couple of big plays here today too. Um, one was, I'm not sure if he got credit for the sack, but he certainly should have. And then he also batted down a couple of passes, too. So he's certainly hungering for that contract extension. Uh, Zach Sealer, I thought, had a phenomenal game. I mean, just really pushing forward. I mean, it, it, on a down-to-down basis, I felt like he was the most disruptive player on that front seven. And we've talked so much about him and the fact that at some point, I mean, yes, he is a partial starter, uh, but he should really unseat Christian Wilkins at this point. Uh, if you if you put everything aside, dollars to donuts, our best front three at the moment is Zach Sealer, Raekwon Davis, if he's healthy, and, and Emmanuel Agba. Now, another guy I thought had a really good game, even though it's not going to pack a stat sheet, uh, and that was John Jenkins. Um he seemed to be all over the field and making plays, pushing the pocket, making plays almost sideline to sideline, which for a guy, his size is tremendous. Um, And he really made an argument for extended playing time moving forward. Right. And when, when you look at what the dolphins are trying to do on defense, they want to keep three down defensive linemen consistently. And that's why it was such a good idea for John Jenkins to be kept on this roster. He's not going to be flashy, but, you know, once Raekwon Davis went down, my initial gut reaction was, what the heck are we going to do in order to maintain that? And, well, we have John Jenkins. And Jenkins did a serviceable job, and that's all we can expect from him, uh, from somebody who's 31 years old, doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of money, and, and can really plug things up on the inside. He, had, um, he played like he played like a player that does make a decent salary today. He really did. It it's he played like an important cog on this defensive unit, and I think he's earned some extended snaps moving forward when when the opportunity presents itself. Yeah, in twenty nineteen, you know, that throwaway season for the Dolphins, he he played fantastic. I mean, I was disappointed when the Dolphins didn't bring him back for twenty twenty. Um, but I'm glad he's back with them now. I mean, it just a just a prototypical guy that you want in your locker room who just fills a role. That's it. And is active on game day and can, and can do a good job. Uh, Jalen Phillips got on the field today, too, and played a lot of snaps. And I don't think he looked bad. You know, I, I 
he's got to improve on some things, but you know, if, if you're looking for somebody who's going to just whip around the edge like Cameron Wake and, and kind of backside the quarterback and 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 go back, he's not that type of guy. You know, he's more of somebody who can stack and shed uh, at, at offensive tackles, and he's not going to have a very big sack number um, from year to year. And and you know, that, I, I think that's important for Dolphins fans to understand. And it's his first NFL game, but overall. I don't think he looked bad. No, he looked okay. I mean, in reality, he was overshadowed by a lot of other guys along that de- the defensive line. Um, and one of our listeners in chat actually brought up the fact that the Patriots do have a very good offensive line. A lot of a lot of outlets are talking about it as one of the top five offensive lines in football. And while Miami didn't translate in the sack numbers today, I, I love that you brought up the Agua thing. And I, I still would love an explanation for why he wasn't credited with a sack on that 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 strip of uh, uh, Mac Jones early is beyond me. I think I think it's going to be one of those adjusted stats moving forward in this game. But really, I thought the front four or three, depending on the moment did a great job of putting pressure on Mac Jones religiously today, even though Mac unfortunately seemed to handle the pressure pretty well. Yeah, the the Patriots really embody along their offensive line what, what I've talked about of I in the NFL, I, I don't think it's it's as important to have a like dominant players on your offensive line. You just can't have any weak links. And the Patriots don't have any weak links. You know, Isaiah Wynn, Michael Nwainu, David Andrews, Shaq Mason, Trent Brown. Trent Brown missed a quarter today from an injury, but they're good players across the board. They're they're not a Quentin Nelson. They're they're, they're not a Zach Martin, but they're good players. And that makes that makes it hard for opposing uh, defenses to go against them. Um, so yeah, I, I I think the Dolphins. I mean, I, if if I were rating the Patriots roster, it would be an A all the way on their offensive line. I, I wouldn't give them an A t- for today's game, but their overall ability, I'd give an A. I mean, Mac took a lot of hits in this game. Um, yes, they made some running lanes um, for predominantly Damian Harris in this one, but overall. I, I felt like they allowed a tremendous amount of pressure, even though it didn't translate to a tremendous amount of sacks. I think Agba even w- had the, the sole pass defense along the defensive line. But, I mean, it was a big, egregious one where he was in Mac's face. So, uh, Mac Jones did get he, – he got hit a lot today. But I would argue that it's it wasn't because of – it wasn't because – the Dolphins were getting good pressure or the Patriots offensive line was playing poorly. Uh, I thought Mac Jones stood in the pocket. He knew when to release the football. And when he did that, he was able to connect a lot of the time. He was 29 for 39 tonight today. And I don't think the Dolphins played bad defense really that much. Uh, they, they should have played a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage for their, for their defensive backs. But other than that, no, I thought I thought their line did did really well, and I, I thought they were really in sync too. Uh, I don't know. It's I mean, somebody brought up in our chat that Mac was asked about um, the uh, 
number of hits he took in this game. He said he didn't take any big ones. It, it's not necessarily about taking the big hit. A lot of folks get tied up in this whole, you know, you got jacked up um, era where really it, it's not always about the big blasting hit. Like, if you've got somebody getting hands on you, play in and play out, that is a huge factor as well. And uh, Kerry in our chat said, uh, flow out Belichick, Belichick, fewer turnovers, fewer penalties, made the play when they had to. That's very well said. Um, Damian Harris, even though he fumbled at the end, had 100 yards exactly. 23 carries, 100 yards. The Dolphins need to tighten up a little bit on their run defense. But I'd also say, too, Paul, on a down-to-down basis, I don't think their run defense did all that badly. I mean, Damian Harris had that 35-yard run on, what, the first play of the game? And then if you take that out of the equation, you're talking about, what, 22 carries for 65 yards? So, not bad. No, not at all. And and Agent 21 actually asked in chat, and I want to bring this up just because we're, we're talking about offensive lines and things like that. Uh, I guess Flo, when he was asked after the game about starting Liam Eikenberg, he basically just came out and gave a very Flo-like answer and said, I wanted to start the best five offensive linemen. I don't know that Flores considers Eichenberg better than Austin Jackson, even if our eyes were pretty well open today with that. Um, I think given the fact that Austin Jackson missed the week, Flo views it as... Liam Eikenberg was the most prepared for this game among the the top five offensive linemen. I think that gave him the nudge over Austin Jackson. Yeah, and and like I said, I think Eikenberg looks the part mm-hmm. for that. Um, and I I don't see the technical refinement from Austin Jackson even in year two here, and that's what bothers me. Um, but overall, this Dolphins offensive line just needs to be middle of the pack and if they are then i think the dolphins are going to be able to spread the field out on the offensive side of the ball with these wide receivers to get the ball out of two hands quickly um so paul we talked about the front seven for a while here overall i can't give them higher than a c though to be honest with it they didn't force enough pressure they didn't stop the run very effectively i mean yeah if you take out Damian Harris's 35-yard run, it looks better, but not enough push. So I'm going to go with a C. Yeah, if we're talking about the entirety of the front seven, I'll, I'll go with a C-plus on this one. There was a lot that I liked. Um, you brought up Landon Roberts. I, I think Jerome Baker was put in position to be out of position a lot. I don't think they had their best day in pass coverage from the linebacking unit today. Um, I saw a lot of times where Baker was – a step or two slow on a route. Um, Andrew Van Ginkle gave up that touchdown in his zone coverage, uh, being tremendously out of position and misreading uh, the play. So I can go with a C-plus here. I, and like you said, I didn't think their run coverage was abysmal. There was the one big run in this game. Yeah. That that was that was the big one. And James White also uh, did a lot of damage in the passing game. Six catches for uh, 48 yards. One time he stacked uh, Jerome Baker um, uh, on one of those um, 
on one of those catches too. Uh, uh, Carrie in our chat asked, uh, th- "Man, what what an astute question here! Um, what is the arm length difference between Austin Jackson and Liam Eikenberg? Because people are dying to know that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna answer that. Austin Jackson, thirty four and one eighth inch. Liam Eikenberg, thirty two and a half. So that's kind of the difference, whether that matters or not. <laughs> What's uh, the Ethan Carter cat? Uh, Seathan Carter. Jeez. I don't know. Uh, Seathan Carter was drafted though. So I, I, I never dug into that. Um, <laughs> but he did play a lot of football today. There, there's no doubt about that. Defensive back, Xavier Howard. Over the last 39 games, Xavier Howard has 22 interceptions and two forced fumbles. And if you include, if you include, the Pro Bowl game that he played in, he had another interception. So actually, over the last 40 games, 23 interceptions, two forced fumbles if you include the Pro Bowl game. Of course, nobody does. But bottom line, this guy is an unbelievable playmaker. And I love every day more and more. Probably my favorite thing about this team is seeing Byron Jones and Xavier Howard at cornerback. Yeah. I, I can I can get behind that and, and another thing too, while Miami didn't force any interceptions today, Jason McCourty, uh, Byron Jones, uh, they both defended passes and played tremendous today. I thought uh, they forced a lot of incompletions on passes they didn't defend. And one of those unheralded stats here is Eric Rowe, Xavier Howard, and Javon Holland in this game all forced fumbles. And Xavier Howard recovered one that we've already talked about. So I mean, when they're not making interceptions, they're they're in there causing turnovers anyhow. And some people will argue that it's you know oh yeah you happen to hit the guy fumbles the ball. That's not what you see with Miami's defense. You see with Miami's defense, there is always a hand once they control the runner or control the receiver that is going in trying to rip the ball out of their hands over and over and over and over again and that's what you saw with Eric Rowe today that's what you saw with Xavier Howard punching that ball out that's what you saw with with Javon Holland I mean and and really Byron Jones could also be credited with that forced fumble early on that should have been a sack uh, from Mac Jones so I mean that's literally just going across the secondary and saying hey everybody caused an individual fumble today which you start causing those, the more you cause, the more opportunities you have to win games. Right, and there's a reason why the Dolphins have gone 23 games in a row with forcing a turnover as of today. Um, no doubt about it. Uh, in our chat, Zombie Finn said, Cat has an arm length fetish. <laughs> you have no idea. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I have an idea. <laughs> Uh, but uh, Jason McCourty, yeah, I'm with you. I I was never the biggest Jason McCourty fan, but I thought he played really well today. Eric Rowe continues to play really well when he's not facing Darren Waller or, or Travis Kelsey. So hopefully he uh, steps up in a couple weeks when the Dolphins play the Raiders. But um, no, I I and what I like too is that. It's kind of like with the offensive line, where at defensive back, sometimes you're as good as your weakest link. And the Dolphins don't really have a lot of weak links. 
I was going to say, do we have do we have any of those? Like, I, I may have phrased that in, incorrectly, but they, they they really don't have any weak weak links when you look at it. I mean, Nick Needham, uh, you know, I he played a good game, and 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 when he didn't, you know, it was more of a zone type of thing as as opposed to well, the guy made a mistake or got beat. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm overall impressed with the defensive back spot, but the elephant in the room is Mac Jones went 29 for 39 for 281 yards, had a quarterback rating of over 100. What I saw, Paul, I thought Kevin Coyle kind of stepped into the uh, press box at a certain time, you know? The, the, the Dolphins cornerbacks were playing way too far off the football. They were, but... In reality, I felt like a lot of those completions also came over the linebacking unit, um, and, and and we do have to factor that in as well. Um, it, it's I I don't have a huge worry about the secondary. The secondary is tremendous, and the one weak link I can think of was a healthy scratch for this game. So yeah, take that for yeah. Yeah, Noah is about to be flipped for a seventh rounder or something. It's not getting it's not getting pretty with him. I mean, this is starting to look like a major major bust. Noah's got to turn it around here, uh, but he's also twenty one years old and he's got the rest of the season. So let's let's hope things get a little bit better. Jamal Perry was brought up to the team today and was on the active roster, which tells you all all that you need to know here. Well, actually, the best part about that, and I, I wanted to bring this up, so I'm glad you did because I, I moved to next in my, in my head. Um, yes, for all our listeners, by the way, Phillips did play today. He wasn't a huge factor, but he didn't look terrible, which is what you can ask for a rookie in his first NFL action. Um, I, I was mildly entertained looking at the box score that Jamal Perry was now Jamal Wiltz again on NFL.com. So the witness protection program continues as far as that goes. He's definitely avoiding somebody. And I'm pretty sure Jamal is spelled differently or was a couple of years ago. I think yeah, it was J-O-M-A-L. That's how they listed yeah. him on NFL.com for the box score. Today. Yeah. Yeah. He's He might be a secret genius. You know, he's, he's just dodging tax returns here. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, so it's <laughs> a so defensive back. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with a C plus, but Ooh. I'm going to go with a, I'm, I'm going to go with a C plus because I can't, you know, absolve that Mac Jones went 29 for 39 for 281 yards on the touchdown. But I, I, I think it's more of a scheme thing. With with what happened today and what the problem was, so I I'm 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 confident moving forward that the Dolphins cornerbacks are going to play further up to the line of scrimmage, do more bump and run, and not allow quarterbacks to have a, a rating over a hundred moving forward. Yeah, you and I are going to disagree on this one, Cat, and I know you love when that happens. Um, given the fact that I saw a lot of the receptions going over the linebacking unit, uh, the fact that the secondary forced three fumbles, including the game-sealing fumble uh, forced and recovered by Xavier Howard, and, you know, there, there was a lot to like in this one from these guys. I'm actually going with an A- for the DBs. Um, 
even with Mac completing those passes, he did complete some good ones. But in reality, I mean, the fact that a lot of it came over those guys, the fact that there were multiple turnovers, the fact that I thought Byron played very well, um, and I didn't feel like the secondary was a weak link in any way. One thing I would have loved to see and I think would have helped force some interceptions for the secondary in today's game was something we talked about in our pregame coverage, which was I didn't feel like Miami used that drunk psycho defense enough in today's game facing a rookie quarterback in his NFL debut. You know, masking and disguising coverages by moving guys around, it, it felt like Miami took a step back to before they became this unit that, that they really should be right now. And I think that helped Mac Jones a lot today because he didn't have to make as difficult to reads. I 100% agree with you on that. Uh, that I, I was looking to see that, as Joe Rose called it, that, that dancing seven that dancing front seven where they're moving all around and it's really unpredictable of where the blitz is going to come from, or if they're even coming with the blitz, I didn't see much of that unpredictability today as as much as I, I mean, I wish they would have shown more of that throughout the game because I thought if they did, they would have creamed Mac Jones. That was his first NFL start, you know? And, And that was a big part of my prediction for this game was I thought that that dancing seven was going to be the factor in this game, um, and, and and I'll take it a step further. Rather than seeing the dancing seven where you don't know who's coming or from where, I saw Miami today when they were blitzing, running up and doing that you know seventh grade football move where you run up and you tap the defensive tackle on the hip that you're going to, which any NFL offensive lineman worth their salt is going to go. Oh, all right, cool. Thanks for letting me know you're coming here. I'm going to smack you in the mouth when you come in at me full speed. Absolutely. Uh, special teams, not much else to say. I'm going to give them a, I mean, a B, or I'm going to go B plus. I mean, Jason Sanders nails a 48-yard field goal. Jakeem Grant returns one punt for 18 yards. That's good. And Michael Pilardi, um really is only, you know, blame in this game here is that he he you know had a short field and and kicked it to the end zone and for a touchback instead of pinning the Patriots deep. So really, no complaints. I'm going to go with a B plus. Yeah, that that field goal would have been good from about 68 or 72 yards. Uh, Sanders hit it deep, true. And with way too much leg for the 48 yards it had to go. And it was, and I, and this is something that I know a lot of folks may not realize, it was a windy day up here in, in New England. Um, and, and that stadium is a wind funnel, wind tunnel that can do strange things with the wind as it blows through. So seeing him hit that, that 48-yarder was huge in this one. And knowing what the wind was like and knowing what that stadium's like, I can give the special teams unit a, an A minus here. Fair enough. So what everybody wants to know is who is your player of the game and who is your Coke bus player of the game, Paul? X has to be the player of the game here. Um, that That's an easy one for me. Uh, as far as my Coke bus player of the game, which for those of our listeners, 
We haven't explained the Coke bus for all of our new listeners since last year. So the Coke bus is something we came up with, and we'll say it's Coca-Cola, but in reality, it's something that happened years ago um, when Miami was playing players that had no business being on an NFL field. And given the fact that I believe it was Adam Gase at the time, Cat was it? Was it yeah. Gase? Seemed to see things in these players that no one else could, um, including the Penguin at left guard, uh, who spent more time on his belly missing everybody than than anything else. Yeah, that was that was Joe Philbin. Uh, oh, it was Philbin. Okay. And anyway, but it, it's basically we came up with the idea that since the coaching staff wasn't going to get these guys off the field, we were very hopeful that some lovely do well uh, police officer would pull them over and, and we'll go with plant a Coca-Cola bottle in their vehicle uh, to at least get them out of the game before uh, the next week. So for me, Coke bus player of the game, I have to go with Mike Gesicki for being completely uninvolved in this one and a non-factor. Um, considering what we saw from him in the preseason, all the expectations, seeing him in a contract year, and he couldn't carve enough of a role that he wasn't even on the field as much as we would have expected. Uh, you took both of my guys there. So uh, my player of the game was X, and my Coke bus player is Mike Kosicki for the exact same reasons. So <laughs> – I'm going to switch it up here. My player of the game is going to be a Landon Roberts because I okay. thought he was a absolute missile on the inside and right to the knees. He, he wasn't. Yeah. If he, he fell down to the knees, uh, you know, if you're going to get down to the knees, you know, you might as well. I thought you were going to go Gaskin since I took rip, rip something out. If, if, if he's going to do that, but yeah, Landon Roberts was a missile on just it, not, not just the sack that should have, brought the Patriots back almost out of field goal range, but there were two or three plays that, that he just, he just did a phenomenal job shooting up inside. Um, we don't want our players shooting up this is not the nineties Cowboys. Yeah. My Coke bus player of the game. Um, I'm probably going to wish I'd said somebody different here, uh, toward the end, but I, Kind of for the same reason that you said with Mike Kosecki, I'm going to say Albert Wilson. I mean, Albert Wilson got some separation um, on on a deep pass from Tua, and a perfect Tua pass would have gotten him a touchdown on that. It was it would have been about a 30 yard touchdown. But other than that, it was a complete non factor. No catches, zero catches. After everything we talked about this off season with Albert Wilson and how. We're so happy he's back, and how how many you know how involved he's going to be in the offense? Zero catches, just like Mike Kosicki. So, but overall, extremely happy the Dolphins come away with the win. Paul, I'm glad you got to see it here today with uh, with Axel. And I mean, anything else that that you want to point out here from what you saw there in Foxborough? No, there's a lot to be optimistic about, though, for for this team here. Um, and by the way, I just want to mention real quick before I dive any more into that, make sure you guys go to DolphinsNYC.com. We have the link down below. 
um, get in on the MetLife takeover while they still have tickets left at the discounted rates. I will be there. It will be a tremendous ton of fun. I'll actually be there for their pre-party the night before. Uh, the fact that they have Joe Rose come out and do his show from the tailgate. Uh, a lot of the beat writers that you may or may not love from South Florida usually pop out and say hello. Uh, Tom Garfinkel. Uh, we've had the Duper, or the Marx Brothers out there, Duper and Clayton, before. Sam Madison's come and chilled out at the tailgate and hung out with us. Uh, you, you, know, you can just name down a list of names as far as the Dolphins faithful go. And you get to come watch a game with a huge number of Dolphins fans. Uh, right up at MetLife Stadium, facing off against a, well, not really NFL-caliber offensive line uh, in that game, at least as far as it looks right now, with Mekhi Becton possibly still out at that point, depending on how bad this MCL sprain is that it looks like he suffered today. Yeah, uh, could be a, a <laughs> I mean, Jets not only lost, but could lose Mekhi Becton for a little while. The Bills got absolutely creamed in the second half by a Steelers team we didn't think was any good and may not be any good. So it might not be down the stretch anyway. If you look at the AFC East, it is much better to be in the Dolphins situation right now. And that's going to do it for our show here. Um, you can follow Paul and I on Brian Cat NFL on Twitter. He is fanatic underscore pick. Follow us also on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, the finfanatic.com website, as well as as the Fan Center Network as well. Thank you all for uh, joining us here tonight. I know it's late, but we want to get on here and be sure to uh, spread the joy here um, for this 17-16 Dolphins win. And I'll tell you this, and I'll leave you with this, everyone. If the Dolphins beat the Buffalo Bills next week, and they go to 2-0, and things change. The Dolphins get a lot of attention here over the next couple of weeks. So let's root for that here. And that's going to do it here. And have a good night. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.